Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Uh, It is great to be here. Um, I'm going to do a message here and and I really believe that it's going to help a lot of people out because it helped me in my journey over the last couple of years. And I've called it, you're doing better than you think you are. Nudge your favourite neighbour and say, you are doing better than you think you are. And then apologise to the person on the other side for offending them. My, uh, my oldest son is, is 18 and he's about six foot four and just a giant of a young man. He's as strong as an ox. And I got to, last year, I got to 38. I turned 38 and I looked at myself in a mirror and said, you should be ashamed of yourself. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to make this internal vow to myself. And it was probably after a day of stalking Pastor Tony on Instagram and seeing him flexing his muscles and went, you know what, by the age of 40, you're going to be the fittest you've ever been. So I made that commitment to myself and I kind of ran over that commitment probably a dozen times over the next month and decided, you know, today's the day that I'm going to get out there and start to exercise and that day would come and that day would go and I missed one day, I remember missing one day and that made it three years. (laughs) And so I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to outsource my motivation. There's this guy at our church, his name's Lucas and he's about six foot seven and looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger and he owns this gym. So I said to Lucas, Lucas, I give you permission to beat me senseless if I'm not at your gym this week. And he said, I'm happy to do that. It was very quick at confirming that commitment level. So I decided to go down to his gym and he does like this CrossFit type of exercise. And and I was super keen there. See, there's, there's always two voices in my head that happens when I begin to do any physical exercise, there's, there's 18-year-old Mark Lassie that thinks he's somewhat indestructible and quite amazing. But then there's, of course, 38-year-old Mark Lassie that has lived with the consequence of 18-year-old Mark Lassie and constantly tries to rein him in. And, of course, there's the third voice, which is Kelly saying, ease up, tiger, you're not as good as you used to be. So I remember I went to the gym and Lucas said to me, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a fitness assessment. And I thought, oh, that shouldn't be too bad. Just tells me how fit I am. And so we start this fitness assessment and he writes a bunch of things on the wall. He writes, you know, 500 metres on the rower, 80 burpees, 60 push-ups. And he just kept on going and going and going. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, man, that's going to, that's going to take me a fair bit of time. But in my head, I, I hadn't quite got to the point where I was honest with myself in terms of my own personal fitness. I, I remembered the heydays of my, my great fitness eras of my early 20s and maybe even late 20s, but those days had long passed me. But I had this romantic connection that they weren't too far gone. And so I started this exercise and I started on the 
on the rowing machine. And of course, there's probably 15 or 20 other people in the gym at the time, which of course I didn't want to show them that I was an unfit. So I started like a bat out of hell. And it was the first time I'd really used the rowing machine and people had warned me about it before, but they obviously hadn't listened to 18-year-old Mark Lassie's arguments that I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. And so I started on this rowing machine and I went and I went and I went and you know what? I actually did pretty good. 500 metres, I got off and I was puffing a bit and and. Uh, Luke had said to me, great, that's, that's number one. Next, number two, now's your 80 burpees or whatever it was. And then it started, the decline. It was rapid, Pastor Tony. <laughs> it, was, it was like, I got to about the third burpee and it was not a burpee at all. I'm not sure if you've ever seen a burpee, but if you saw me, you would not say that's a burpee. It was just falling to the ground and struggling to get up. I've never seen somebody jump and ended up jumping lower than they were actually standing. I was like. (laughs) So this went on and on and it got worse and worse. I was doing sit-ups, but they were more like 15-minute lie-downs with a struggle up. (laughs) And I got to the end and it took me 27 minutes to do this fitness assessment, which he later confirmed to me was the worst that he'd ever seen. (laughs) And at the end of it, I laid there, not for one or two minutes, for 27 more minutes. And I was like, normally there's something in me, there's a sense of pride and self-dignity that will carry myself with a certain level of decorum, but there was no decorum left. I was just prostrate on the ground, lying there, just struggling to breathe for 20 minutes. After 20 minutes, Lucas came to me with a zooper duper and he goes, oh, Mark, this might help. And I just looked at him like, What on earth is that going to do? About seven minutes later, I finally was able to get the strength to literally stand up and hobble to my car. I did not make eye contact with another person in the gym. I could hear them muttering under their voices though. And they weren't saying, wow, what an impressive stature of a man that guy is. And so I got to my car And I went to start my car, but as I went to start my car, I did this. (laughs) So I sat there for another 20 minutes, realising that if I tried to turn a corner, there would be no turn, there would just be the corner. After 20 minutes, I finally realised what I'll do is I'll pace myself. I live about 15 minutes from where the gym was, and I realised I couldn't make it all the way home in one sitting. So I thought, you know what, there's a friend of mine who actually happened to have my mobile phone about six minutes away. So I jumped in the car and I drove to their house, a lovely couple at church called Ben and Sabrina. So I rocked up to their house and I, I would like to say I walked, but it wasn't a walk at all. It was kind of a... And I knocked on the door and Sabrina answered, Hello! And I was like, hey, is Ben there? And she goes, oh, Ben's not here. Why is that? And I said, well, I started to say, 
oh, because Ben's got my phone. What actually happened was this. Well, Ben's got my... And I ran out to their front yard, which is on quite a busy road, got down on all fours and vomited every sense of self-respect and every bit of self-dignity that I had on that corner on the artificial turf. <laughs> what? <laughs> For about the next six to seven minutes, just couldn't move. And as I looked up and I saw Sabrina and her two lovely children looking at their mum going, what's wrong with that man, mummy? And I thought to myself, I'm never going back there again. And it was probably a week later that Lucas rang me and said, Mark, where have you been? And I realised something that happens so often in life is as my birthday came around and I said to myself, I am going to get the fittest I've ever been. I had these lofty heights of reaching my potential. The best I've ever been. And I've realised over the years of my life that every time we start something, ignorance is our friend. We have no idea of what the cost is to get to our potential, but we're so believing that we are our potential. I mean, you ask a young child what they want to be when they grow up and they don't say, oh, I'd love to sweep the corner of the road for a living. They say, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor. I want to be something amazing because they start with this amazing sense of naivety that they can be whatever they want. Their potential is absolutely unlimited. And it's only until we have a couple of setbacks do we start to readjust how we think about ourselves. Over the next 10 weeks, I would go back to the gym. And after 10 weeks, I did that same fitness assessment that I did in 27 minutes. I did in 11 minutes. I know. Thank you. And not only that, when I got home, I ran an extra 6Ks just to show how far I come to myself. But life got busy. The next week, I didn't get there. Then the week following two weeks, we went on a holiday, so I wasn't able to get to the gym again. Then we went into a conference season at work, so I didn't get to the gym again. And literally about eight weeks later, Lucas rang me up and he said, hey, Mark, where have you been? And I'm like, oh, mate, I've just been so busy. I'll get back again. And I remember as I said those words, I'll get back again. You know what jogged my memory? Wasn't my potential, wasn't even the fact that I was able to do that fitness assessment in 11 minutes. This is what ran through my mind. Ah! The pain of starting again. The pain of going back and going, you know what? I just, I don't want to count the cost of getting there. So you know what I'll do? I'll just, I'll settle for where I am. Pretty much that entire year went past and I got to the start of this year, the start of 2017. And once again, I was the fattest and unfittest I've ever been in my life. And I realised I had to do something after once again looking at Pastor Tony's Instagram. 
But I was reading the other day a story of a man called Peter. See, I love the story of Peter. He's such a great case study of humanity. And I want to kind of retell Peter's story from the moment that Jesus and Peter, who was called Simon then, but for the case of this story, I'm going to call him Peter the entirety. When they first meet and the story happens that Peter, who's a professional fisherman, has been out fishing all night. And he's been toiling all night, the Bible says, and he's caught nothing. And he meets this man on the shoreline. And this man, Jesus, says to him, Peter, cast your nets on the other side. Now, this is a strange interaction because the man that said, cast your net on the other side is anything but a fishing expert. He's a carpenter. And a carpenter says to a generational fisherman, hey, I'll give you some fishing tips. Be like me saying to Pastor Tony here, let me give you some bench pressing tips. It just, it doesn't make sense. But Peter sees that there's something different about this man. So he says, you know what? We have toiled all night. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the nets. And so as those nets began to come in, the the Bible tells us that there's so many fish that they have to get partners and friends to come and help them catch the amount. And yet when they get to the shoreline, something amazing happens. Once again, he has this conversation with Jesus and Jesus calls him into his potential. See, all his life, he's fish for fish. But he says, I've got something much greater for you. I've got something so much bigger than you just catching fish. I see the potential in who you are, Peter. I'm calling your potential out. And Peter, the Bible says, he forsakes it all and follows Jesus. Amazing passage in the Bible because in that forsook it all, I want you to picture he's a professional fisherman that every single day of the week, he would have got up and said, God, help me catch fish. God, help me feed my family. And the day that God shows up like never before and gives him a catch like never before, he's willing to walk away from it because he sees his potential. It shows me that sometimes you have to walk away from some things to step into your potential. And so he starts the journey with Peter following Jesus. A few chapters later, we see that there's a storm. And all the disciples around him, the followers of Jesus around Peter on the same boat are beginning to worry and stress. And this man begins to walk on the water towards the boat. And as the disciples see him, they begin to panic. Is it a ghost? Who is this that's walking? And Peter gets this understanding. I think it's, wait a minute. I, I think it's Jesus. I think it's, hey, Jesus, if it's you, bid me come. And I'll come. And I'm sure with the voice of Jesus from that first encounter speaking into his potential, he would have gone, yes, this is my chance. I have an opportunity to be like Jesus. And he begins to to walk on the water. He begins to get to some of his potential. I mean, this is a big deal. Put your hand up if you walked on water lately. I mean, imagine that Instagram. Low, yellow, you only live once, walking on water, hashtag, not you, just me. 
And he begins to walk on water and I'm sure there's part of him going, this is what I was made for. This is, this is what I was created for. And before you know it, as he's caught in that moment, as quickly as he started to reach his potential, is as quickly as he started to sink. Jesus grabs his hands and pulls him back to the boat, reaching his potential, but then scaling back down to exactly where he started. I'm sure the other guys in the boat said, oh, wow, now you're all wet, we're all dry. There's always people around you that will point out the fact that you failed. Even though you were the only one that walked on water. A few chapters later, Jesus and the disciples are having a conversation and Jesus says to these guys, He says, who do people say that I am? And so the congestion starts. They start to give their opinions. They start to say what everybody else thinks about. Oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're a great teacher. And Jesus prods them a bit more and says, no, 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 I don't care about what everybody else says. Who do you say that I am? And, and Peter steps forward and he says, you're Christ, the Son of God. And you imagine how Peter would have felt in that moment? Because Jesus says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. I mean, you're talking about a potential moment. Jesus confirms, hey, this is, this is Peter. He hears from God. None of you clowns did, just Pete. He's the one, he's the one that gets why I'm here. He's the one that knows why I've come. He's the, he's the one that gets the enormity of this moment. Peter, you've, you're reaching your potential. You're getting there. You climbed the mountain, you've seen it. Only for literally the next verse, and I'm sure he probably got caught up in the momentum of the moment. It's probably gone to his head a bit. Oh, I'm the one that hears from God. I am the oracle. I'm Yoda. <laughs> and then the very next sentence, Jesus is saying, I must go to the cross. And Peter says, wait a minute, Jesus. Uh, I'll tell you what you're doing since I know who you are. And he says, it's not going to happen. I mean, you're talking about a mountaintop potential displaying experience. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That's not even back to where you started. That's like... I mean, talk about a confidence killer. One moment I'm way up there, the next moment just earth open up and swallow me whole, please. And so the life of Peter continues. A few chapters later, Peter finds himself with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has prophesied this moment that he's going to go to the cross and Soldiers begin to swarm around Jesus in this garden. Peter is so brave. Peter is so strong that he takes a sword out and challenges 
the soldiers that have come to arrest Jesus. This isn't gonna happen to you, Jesus. I'll be with you until the end. Come, let's take them all on. And he whops a soldier's ear off. This isn't a schoolyard fight. This is, you touched a soldier and that's certain death. But so brave and so courageous is Pete thinking of this is my potential to protect Jesus. This is, this is what I'm growing into. Not even a chapter later, after the roof crows, before the roof crows, Peter has denied Jesus three times. One moment he's so brave that he's willing to challenge a soldier's challenge a soldier. The next moment he's so afraid and insecure that a 12-year-old girl comes to him and says, weren't you with Jesus? And he says, no, I don't even know who that is and adds some expletives. And I think about how he would have thought that he had reached his zenith only to fall back on his face again. And you would think that that might have been the time that Jesus has had enough. Matt, I've given you so many chances. I've given you time and time again. And every time you see like you're getting to your potential, you fall flat on your face. Every time you make two steps forward, you end up three steps backwards. What's amazing is the story of Peter finishes in his interaction with Jesus in John chapter 21. See, John chapter 21 tells that Peter has gone back fishing. He's gone back to where it all started. And in fact, it's so similar to where it started from. Jesus performs an identical miracle to remind Peter, this is where it all started from. See, I think this is what happened is Peter had been so sick and tired of trying and failing that rather than worrying about trying to get to his potential, he's attached to his failure so much that he's just willing to give it all up. Willing to say, you know what? I'm just going back to what's comfortable. I'm just going back to what I know. It doesn't challenge me. Doesn't ask anything of me more than I am willing to give. It's not making me grow anymore. I can get up and I can cast the line in and I'll pull that fish up and I'll provide for my family and I'll do all the things. And Jesus comes and finds him. He finds him in that place and he begins this conversation with Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus' response is, feed my sheep. Three times he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. The third time he asks, he says, Peter, do you love me? The Scripture says that Peter was grieved. Says, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Some people say that the reason why he asked three times is because perhaps he denied Jesus three times. But this is what I've found. Over your life, you'll have failures that just seem to attach themselves to you.
and they don't mean much, but as you try to climb to your potential, they'll just restrict it a little bit. Maybe you're in high school and your teachers are saying, man, you're just not smart enough. You tried your best, but you just didn't work. And that, that failure just has a way of attaching itself to you. And, and you're trying to get it as high as you can to reach it. But over time, they're just one knock and then two knocks. In year 11, I, I had this teacher that was my English teacher. And we had to do our year 11 oral presentation. And I remember I did it on Generation X, my generation and how we were going to change the world. And in my head, I had this almost Hollywood epic picture of, of people standing on the desk at the end and just clapping and just like, wow, as tears ran down their eyes. But what actually happened is I walked past the teacher on the way back to my desk and he said to me, Mark, that was probably the worst public speaking I've ever heard in my life. Make sure you don't take public speaking for a living. You know what? There was a moment there where I believed in my potential, but failure just had a way of attaching itself to me. And all of a sudden I had to readjust what I thought I could be. Maybe you're here and somebody has told you that you're not something or you've tried a business idea and it just fell flat and... At one point, you believe that you could be anything, but just some failures attached itself to you. I'm just tying a lot of knots now. One thing after the other. And before you know it, you're looking at your potential, but you're carrying around failure. And every time you start, the energy that it even takes to start, you wind it, I can do it this time. And eventually you just find yourself settling for average. See, it's exactly what Peter found himself looking at a boat and some fish and going, you know, I tried so hard for so long, but every time I tried to reach my potential, I failed. And yet here's Jesus and he asked him these three questions. He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. To understand the enormity of what Jesus was asking, you have to understand who Jesus, who sheep are to Jesus. See, you and I are his sheep. He is the good shepherd. So when Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He was saying, care about the things that I care about the most. See, I believe the reason why Peter went back fishing wasn't because he had lost his faith in Jesus. Because Jesus said, do you love me? He says, yes, Jesus, that's not the issue. The issue was he'd lost faith in himself. I, I tried, Jesus, but I know it. You you'll give me another chance, but I'll stuff it up again. And I realised something that when Jesus found Peter on that boat, you know what he was? A failure. A fisherman with no fish. 
And yet Jesus saw the potential in him when he was achieving nothing in his own world and spoke life into him. And every time he says, feed my sheep, literally what he was doing was cutting the ability for failure to hold him down any longer and said, I still love you, Pete. I still believe in you. Care about the things that I care about. I've never stopped. I've never stopped believing in you from the moment I saw you on the lakeside to this moment. I believe in you. And you're here tonight and you're all saying to yourself, I've tried so many times. My potential just seems so far away. I believe that God wants to cut some of those strings that are attached to you to failure tonight. Redefine you back again to when you dreamed so lofty and so big that you thought anything was possible. When you thought that your abilities and your talents could achieve anything with God with you, who can be against you, all those scriptures that come to mind that you used to quote on your bathroom wall and you used to tell yourself, all things are possible through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. They're a lofty memory, but God is bringing them back and saying, cut the cord that's attached you to your failure. In fact, I wanna pray for people that are here today that feel like failure has strangled them to the point of you're just settling for average. Maybe at one point you were called to the ministry, but you tried it once and it didn't work out. Maybe you wanted to start a business, but you tried it once and it didn't work out, but there's something in you going, I am my potential. I am not my failures. And God wants to redefine how you think of yourself tonight. Maybe you started a marriage and it didn't work out. God wants to say, you are not your failures. You are your potential. You are everything that you could be. And I love the fact that Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I want to put you in charge of the thing that I care the most about. See, to me as a man, that speaks volumes to me because what God is saying is, I trust you. See, I, I think about this watch here. I love this watch. It was a gift to me. It's, it's a beautiful watch. It's a tag. And I would only give this to somebody that I trust. Pastor Tony, this is an illustration. It's only an illustration. I'll get it back afterwards. <laughs> But I want you to take care of it. I would never give it to Mick Roberts, but I'd definitely give it to you to take care of. I would only give something of value to somebody that I trusted and believed in. Here's Peter that's lost faith and trust in himself. Yet Jesus is still saying, I trust you. I mean, that blows my mind that Jesus can have a greater opinion than I can have of myself because sometimes I have a very high opinion of myself. But sometimes my self-talk is rubbish. And I believe that God wants to cut some of those failures out of your life. Starts you again thinking, what did I used to dream about? 
What did I used to believe my potential was? What was it back then that got me out of bed in the morning before I started to settle for average? Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 